Welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the University of Delaware's Institute for Public Administration. My name is Sean O'Neill, and I'm a staff member at IPA. I'll be your host for this episode. Thanks for listening. On today's episode, I'm joined by Rich Hall, General Manager of the Department of Land Use for Newcastle County, Delaware. The Land Use Department regulates planning for all new and existing development in unincorporated Newcastle County and enforces the laws governing building and zoning codes and property maintenance. I'll get into more detail on the planning part of their work with Rich as we cover the county's new comprehensive plan update. We'll also discuss some of the more recent development trends that they've been seeing in Newcastle County. This episode is the second in a series covering real estate development and land use trends in all three Delaware counties. So keep an eye out soon for my conversation with Phil McGinnis focused on Kent County. If you haven't listened yet, I'd encourage you to check out my interview with Preston Shell talking about Sussex County and his real estate development business in coastal Sussex. Let's get to the conversation. Welcome, Rich. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Sean. Glad to be here. Look forward to the conversation. Can you talk a little bit about the comprehensive plan update, you know, where you are in the process, what should people be aware of kind of coming up soon? And I guess when you expect to wrap it up. Glad to do so. And, and um, we're very excited about this comprehensive plan update. And sometimes I've been thrown in the word, mixing in the words, so this update, because that sounds like you're just going to change a few numbers and update some dates and stuff. I, I, I think it's fair to say it's going to be a rewrite of the comprehensive plan. As you, I know you know, and just for the listeners benefit by state law, number one, all local governments with planning authority have to have a comprehensive plan, which is similar to a lot of states, but Delaware does a little more than your average state and what the state requires. The plan has to be updated once every 10 years. So we're operating currently under the 2012 comprehensive plan. So uh, as you mentioned, we started in June, this past June with a kickoff. What is so different this time, um, a lot of things are different, but What's so different is that we're operating, you know, under the pandemic. You know, we're doing a lot of outreach, a lot of different things to to, to reach anyone possible that's interested, but it's all remote. Hopefully, as we get further along in the plan process, we'll be able to have some in-person meetings. But that's just the reality that we're all dealing with in all walks of life. The other thing I like to say at the outset about the comprehensive plan is that we've called it NCC at 2050. We try to give it a little bit of a branding there. So, you know, just not using the generic term. By the way, um, you can type NCC at 2050 in any search engine, Google, what have you, and it'll take you to our website. We've got lots of information there um, about upcoming workshops, Zoom video files from past workshops, documents from surveys we've done, a vision document we completed after we the first phase. Kind of just started the second phase now. I'll talk a little more about that in a minute. The other thing I want to say at the outset of this is that I came here when County Executive Meyer came in. Some almost all my planning career prior to that has been in Maryland, except for some in North Carolina before that. So I was new to the state. But one of the things that was clear to me coming in is that if you ask most people envision the county's unified development code. Um, known as the UDC, which is really zoning and subregs and some other provisions combined into one document. But the UDC is sort of seen as the guiding document for all things related to future growth. And it is, it is the ordinance, it is the law, but there wasn't a lot of thought 
people didn't refer back to the comp plan very much. The comp plan was kind of just hanging on a shelf, literally wasn't something that was a big focus. And so one of the things we're really trying to do now is to change that, to really make it a big focus. And that it's something that we put a lot of effort into as we are now for outreach engagement and having people feel it's their plan. But, you know, like we like to say we're building it together. But going forward, don't only want a really good plan that we can say has great policies in it, hopefully measurable goals and have a lot of public engagement. But we really want people to use it. Um, we want people to, you know, obviously it'll be online and I'm sure there'll be some printed editions of it as well. But um, we don't want it to sit on a virtual or literal shelf. Again, we really want people to use it. And we're at, a, I think, an interesting time in the county's growth history. It's a suburban county. Some of the suburbs are older than others, obviously. Some's very fast-growing, newer development. Some's older suburban development adjacent to towns and everything in between. And I think there's not to date been a lot of conversation about how we best plan for middle-aged or older suburbs. And I, I think that's going to be one of the critical things in the plan. Uh, the other is how we collectively look at the environment whether it's climate change, environmental protection in general, and land preservation. We just had a big land preservation preservation task force finish up in the fall. And, and our growth patterns, uh, the county's growth patterns, especially those in the southern part of the county have not been very sustainable. Mostly single-family detached development, the vast majority of it spread out on farm fields. Some of it's quality development in and of itself. Also a lot of development on septic systems that like to address. Um, mm -hmm. We don't think that's a sustainable growth pattern for a whole bunch of reasons. So those are some of the things that are, that are being highlighted. Obviously, you know, some of the issues uh, that are important also is environmental justice and social equity are issues that kind of cut across a lot. They're not typically an issue in and of themselves, but they are themes almost that cut across a lot of the traditional planning issues, if you will. And and the planning field in general, that's something that's got a lot more attention. And just real quick, give you a couple of dates. Again, I encourage everyone to go to our website. Again, just go to NCC 2050 and you will find it. But we had a meeting last night, one of what we're calling deep dives. We, the fall was more focused on kind of engagement and getting general vision issues, discussions and, and issue identification. So that kind of took us through the first six months. And and, and surveys and all that. We've kind of tried to switch gears a little bit in the beginning of 2021. And we produce a vision document, which kind of was a big roll up, a, a distill, distilled what we heard in the fall. All these things are on the website and moving a little more to, okay, we heard these things, whether it's about environment or last night's deep dive sessions, we're calling them, was about housing and economic development. So we tried to sort of say back in a summary way, here's some of the trends and such. Here's some of the issues we've heard you all mentioned. So now what do we do about them? So that's the mode that we're in now. So that was last night. Uh, the next one will be on infrastructure um, and transportation. And that is on March 17th. And then the next one after that, going to be on placemaking and design and historic mm -hmm. preservation. And that'll be on April 7th. And then we may add one or two beings, you know, as we go through these, we realize it's hard to cover everything and try that. It might be some priorities for things that need more discussion. Uh, mm -hmm. But the game plan is to have these sessions throughout the spring 
and then have a forum at the end, analogous to what we did in the fall that kind of rolls together what we heard. And then from that, that'll be a lot of the information, a lot of the input, a lot of the fodder, if you will, that will be used to start building the plan, start drafting the plan. And certainly throughout the summer and fall, there'll be draft documents and come around this time next year, we're hoping uh, these things always, uh, the plans don't always go according to plan, right? Right. Um, But um, it is due to the state in 2022. So we hope to be around this time next year, having a final draft and begin sharing it officially and unofficially with the state because of them first for their review. And then, and then it'll go to county council land use committee first, just like an ordinance because it will be an ordinance. And then they vote it. We hope to have that through probably realistically summer, maybe fall of 2022. That's great. Yeah. You know, you say fall 2022, it seems so far away, right? But it's only 18 months away. Um, But in the scope of the pandemic, it could be a totally different world by then. Yeah, I I think you guys have been doing an an amazing job with the the public outreach, given the pandemic conditions and and a lot of the Facebook Live stuff and all that you've been doing. I think it's it's all been great. Curious to see your, your thoughts on kind of the impact that the pandemic has had on uh, new development and development trends, you know, kind of thinking both near term and long term in, in various sectors. So, you know, retail, office, industrial, residential. Well, a couple of things. One, we haven't seen significant change in the kind of development we're seeing from a permitting and plan review. Um, luckily, we were a little ahead of the eight ball with um, having electronic permit and electronic plan review system in place. Uh, We've enhanced it since COVID came upon us. We really didn't skip a beat for the most part in in our um, plan review efforts. And and, and Newcastle County is unique in that, and what most people call the planning department, we're called the department land use. So we also have licensing, so inspections and permits. We also have property code enforcement and engineering and then planning, which includes comprehensive planning, which was, was not there before when I came in four years ago, there wasn't even a comprehensive planning unit. Um, there was some planning, but they mainly focused on plan review activities. So um, that has gone on pretty well. And just like anyone else these days, uh, I mean, we, we got almost everyone out of the office and um, able to operate remotely. We still have some people in the office and it kind of rotates around, but a much smaller presence, like a tenth, one tenth on average, who's actually in the office. And that's probably similar to a lot of people. So that's been working pretty well. As far as um, from the development arena, um, we've seen, we were seeing it before, but it's really intensified. And you alluded to this, Sean, with e-commerce and partly where the county is located, you know, obviously I-95 comes right through the county mm-hmm. uh, and really in the middle of the mid-Atlantic area, right? So, um, you know, we've got Philly just up the road, Baltimore just down the road, New York City not too far up either, north. Given that location in the port as well, the to extent the county was attractive for e-commerce um, before, that is significantly intensified so there's that's one change and i think many planners and others were real estate professionals and even civilians if you will were talking about the retail apocalypse way before covid hit and i think covid just took it and hammered it even more so 
So I think we're going to see that, continue to see that. I mean, we had, um, and again, this is not unique to the county, but you know, there was a lot of interest in building. There were other big box type proposals on the table in certain locations across the county, and those have dried up. You know, I, 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 I think there'll be a long, long time before we see many new big box buildings. Um, probably see fewer of them one way or the other over time, and maybe enhancement to ones that are in place. So there's that. Um, what happens to smaller retail once they recover from just the economic impact of, of COVID, but those that survive or new ones that come along, I'm really curious to see how that goes. Um, you know, people still want the shopping experience. And um, for those that can, you know, afford it, they like their specialty stores. Um, mm-hmm. And people, you know, I think people do appreciate having the local store what it's a, a general store to the extent we have general stores anymore. We have a lot of things that operate like general stores. So that's sort of um, smaller level retail, um, non-big box. We interesting to see how that recovers, but there always will be some of the larger retail, but the demand for that's so dried up. And even, even those that are in place today, I think are, you know, looking at a, a different, different type of future for sure. I think the other big thing, what you know, going forward, your question about how's COVID going to affect things is the office. So demand for office space is very likely to soften up a good bit. That's certainly something's important to, to keep in mind. You know, even those that retain office, significant office space, those offices won't be full all the time, most likely. But that's that's a, a whole other um, piece there. I, I think for planning in general, you know, it's human nature to want to gather for work and communication and engagement gather for entertainment of all kinds of types so there'll certainly <laughs> will be i think what it does it puts it it makes that even more important how we plan for those things people call it placemaking or a lot of names for it but how we plan for places that people want to go and hang out for enjoyment or just to engage other people uh, so i think it puts a finer point on that these are questions a lot of very smart people are wrestling with. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't don't know how this is all going to turn out. Um, but I think we have some things we're pretty confident about. And that is softening up office space in many cases, and then the whole retail piece, which I think people have been seeing already anyway. Um, and kind of tying into into that, you know, in terms of your plans and approach after you've completed the comp plan, you know, what do you what would you think about tackling next? Well, we still have a lot to learn as we go through the complaint process, not only people's wants and desires, um, but also learning more and more about some of the facts and trends and projections for different types of growth. So those will be incorporated to the comp plan. So what we're going to do, we do want to follow up with rezonings. I think there's going to be a um, push to rethink some of our plate, the ability to do placemaking, making some of our zones more flexible for a range of things, uh, more mixed use. Uh, we do have that and allow it, but um, trying to do more of that, there might be, remains to be seen, of course, but people really want to look at housing a little differently. That's always very sensitive, but you know, I think we've all heard about how Minneapolis has, quote, outlawed uh, single-family detached housing, which is yeah. not totally true, but they certainly have made it that they want to allow a range of housing types in all residential zones. So will we do that? It was something we actually talked about last night. So like 12 hours ago, we were talking about that kind of thing. That would be very controversial, but I think 
there does need to be a relook at um, how and where residential growth occurs and whether we plan for more affordable or workforce housing. Again, those things are all controversial and the county has addressed those things to some degree in the past, but I think there's renewed interest in those issues. We want to look hard at some of the environmental justice issues you're trying to really move forward some of the issues that came up in the Route 9 sub-area plan and how that, how that manifests itself countywide on the resource protection side. We want to be a lot more deliberate, clear and deliberate, consistent with how we target areas for growth versus preservation. It's been a little nebulous, especially in southern Newcastle County. The county's not been more consistent. There's been a number of lawsuits over the years about where sewer is going to go, where it's not going to go. And what areas are really planned for preservation? Which areas are planned for growth? It's been a little gray, if you will, mm-hmm. put that way in, in certain <laughs> parts of the county. So yeah. those are some of the key things. And yes, we will probably come out of that complaining pro- process with some rezonings. You know, Newcastle County historically um, seems to do rezonings one at a time, even amend the comp plan if need be. At the same time, they're doing a rezoning in a piecemeal way for a specific project. Uh, I would prefer that those things are looked at a little more globally. So if we're going to do rezonings, I'd rather do them proactively. There's no totally right way to do it. In other words, it's not all one or the other, but I do want to take us more in a direction where um, if we're thinking about significant rezonings, that they're, they're part of a broader comprehensive planning process instead of just amending the comp plan after the fact to get what you want. That's a direction I'd like us to try to go. So there's that kind of how, again, going back to, to how we use the plan just one other thing I think is important to mention is the whole role of these sub-area plans. We've had, um, we have four right now we want to try to get through adoption, and we're about to start that process, the, the adoption process, because the plans are, are complete, and that's for Concord Pike, Route 9, North Claymont, and Southern Newcastle County. So those are sub-area plans. The county's mm-hmm. not really, they've had sub-area studies, if you will, area studies, but as far as officially adopting them into the comp plan. The county has not done that before and already been asked the question, well, shouldn't we do that countywide? We need a good countywide comp plan, but we do need some finer grain planning as well, more Mm -hmm. detailed planning, more community scale planning. It's a real resource issue, but I think when we come out of the countywide comp plan, I know that there's going to be a desire by some to do more of these sub-area plans. But um, I know that we are doing a subarea plan in Churchman's uh, crossing area, so that's one additional area. And there's there's others as well that I think will will, will pop up. To kind of close up, I wanted to ask you about you know your experience. You mentioned before that you know you spent you know most of your career in Maryland, and and um, most people listening wouldn't know that. And I was an entry level planner. City of Annapolis, working in the planning and zoning department. I was in grad school full-time at, at University of Maryland, and you were the uh, director of the Maryland Department of Planning at the time. So most state functions, it seemed like you were a speaker, and so I, I kind of know you back from then. But, you know, we can talk a lot about the differences, but what are some of the things that you've brought from your experience and leadership in that position in Maryland to Delaware and to New- Newcastle County that maybe aren't so different um, that you can kind of carry from one position to the next. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that history. There, like anyone else, a lot of similarities, and certainly um, you know, Newcastle County abuts Maryland's. But some of the key differences I saw was number one, uh, water resources. So 
95% of Maryland drains the Chesapeake Bay. So the whole state drains the Chesapeake Bay, except for the far eastern and far western parts of the state. And so that drives so much of state growth policy for environment and growth policy in Maryland. And that is not nearly the same factor in Delaware. So water resources is a big thing I notice. Environment's a lot less in, Maryland, in, in Delaware, Maryland, and many water resource issues. And it just isn't in the forefront of people's minds as much as it is in Maryland. That, I think that's going to change some. The other is the, the whole role of the comprehensive plan for rezonings and comprehensive rezonings in, in Maryland. You very rarely have an individual rezoning, incredibly rare. Uh, normally, it kind of goes through the comprehensive plan update process, which is similar to Delaware, once every 10 years. And then they, do, they rezone the whole county. Now, or anything they're going to rezone. So it's all at once. A lot, most counties, um, a lot of zoning will stay the same. But the other big thing I mentioned, I could go on forever because it's my home camp, my home state, um, but <laughs> is the lack of a smart growth constituency. So my experience in, in Delaware is that you've got people that don't want much growth at all. And you've got people that want growth because they're building something. and the universe of people that speak just for good growth, for the purposes of good growth, they don't have a dog in the fight, right? Mm-hmm. But just, there's not much of that. There's some, and, and there's, a, there's a few people out there to do that. And um, my hat goes off to them all the time. That's a very small uh, universe. Um, I'm hoping that we're building that, counting through all this outreach we're doing for the comp plan and partnering with you and University mm-hmm. of Delaware. We have the Planning 101 certificate that one can get in the county. I encourage people to do that. And other things that we're doing and others are doing to try to build up core people. I'm, I'm hoping that when the plan's done and the year's done, two years, five years after it's done, there'll be people out and about that will say, hey, you know, I've worked on that plan. I feel some ownership. And the county's doing, there, there's a project that's out there that's good or bad related to the plan or um, the county's policies aren't following up as strong as they should. I want to come out and, and advocate for good planning, good, smart growth. And so I'm hoping we can build that up. Well, I'm, I'm here if you ever need a partner to help, help you promote smart growth. As uh, Rich mentioned, we did put together a uh, planning one-on-one certificate that just sort of gives an overview of the county's comp plan process that is linked on their NCC 2050 website. I will include a link to that and the website in uh, the show notes. Anyway, I, I really appreciate you... Uh, Joining me today, Rich, and sharing all these thoughts, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to uh, think about, but, you know, really important work that you all are doing, the county, and, you know, I appreciate all your effort, you know, particularly with the uh, the outreach efforts you've been doing during the pandemic. Like you said, it's, it's a big obstacle to kind of work around, but, you know, you all have been doing a great job. So, um, Thanks. thank you very much. Working with you and look forward to more, and we need, we need all the smart growth friends we can get. Uh, it's <laughs> tough, uh, but uh, I'm... I appreciate the time. And um, again, like I said, I look forward to to continuing to work with with you and your your partners down there at IPA. Thanks, Rich. For more information on Newcastle County's comprehensive plan update and to engage with the county's plan update process, you can visit the NCC 2050 website linked in the show notes. You should also be able to access the Planning 101 virtual course that we developed for the county on that website, which is also linked in the show notes. For more information on IPA, you can visit us at ipa.udel.edu. Thanks for listening today. Please feel free to reach out with any comments 
and subscribe to First State Insights so that you'll never miss an episode. 